the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now. Uh, just out in two, one. There it is. Eight minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock as we continue. It is the 29th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2021. And let's bring in our regular Thursday guest for commentary and analysis, Dr. Everett Piper, who is a past university president. He is a best-selling author two times over. He is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times and a podcast host of The Rebellion in Oklahoma. Dr. Piper, good to have you back. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. I hope you're doing well, too. I am as well, and I can see that you were really moved by uh, the article that you read and we discussed last week, so much so that you wrote one of your own about fake Christianity. And I want to dive into this a little bit with you, because I think it's fascinating stuff as a Christian uh, and somebody who understands what MTD really is. And I and I have really only come to understand in, in, in reading over the course of the last few days since our last conversation. So, Dr. Piper, you referenced last week we talked about this uh, article by Rachel Bratton in the uh, Western Journal, uh, talking about MTD, which is Moralistic Therapeutic Deism, or, in short, according to uh, George Barna and others, fake Christianity. What is MTD? And I'm quoting you, quoting Barna. The moralistic perspective is we're here to be good people and to try to do good. The therapeutic aspect is everything is supposed to be geared toward making me feel good about myself, ultimately to make me happy. Deism is the idea that God created the world but has no direct involvement in it. Basically, according to MTD, there is a distant God who just wants everyone to be nice, and the purpose of life is to be happy. You say in your article, Dr. Piper, that there's proof America's religion is no longer that of the apostles. Explain, please. Well, you know, you listen to the description of MTD that you just gave, which is George Barnes. And that is, as you know in my article, I said basically what it is, 
is a, a amalgamation of Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy, and Black Lives Matter. Let's just queer everything that ails us and we'll all be well. That's essentially what it is. It's not Orthodox Christianity. In fact, in fact dogma is bad. So any dogma, which is the description of what Christianity is, is a bad thing because Christianity, by definition, is exclusive, not necessarily inclusive. And what do I mean by that? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. That is a very exclusive claim. That's not a great big kumbaya group hug. And as you know, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, defines Christianity very clearly throughout his epistles. The Gospels define Christianity very clearly throughout the four Gospels. So who defines Christianity? Do you or do I? Or does the Bible and does the Church preserve the history of that definition over the ages? The answer is there has to be an objective definition, an orthodox, a right definition of Christianity. Otherwise, it's chaos. It becomes nothing but your good feelings and mine. And if your feelings and mine run into conflict with one another, who decides? What's the measuring rod outside of those things being measured, to quote C.S. Lewis, that will decide what Christianity is, who's right and who's wrong? MTD, moralistic therapeutic deism, is a fake Christianity because it discards that measuring rod and claims the subjective standard of feelings trump all the facts of historic and biblical dogma. Dr. Piper, um, oftentimes atheists will complain about religion, and even some who are not atheists, they do believe in God, but they have a real hard time with an organized religion, whether it's Christianity or not. Um, by basically just saying, that's way too hard. It's way too hard to do all of the things you're talking about. It's much easier to do that uh, MTD-style fake Christianity and just say, look, I'm a good person. I live a good life. I'm nice to other people. I raise my kids right. Uh, what more do you want from me? Isn't that, isn't that all God should really want from me is to be good and to be nice? Isn't that all Jesus, if I'm a Christian, wants from me? And to ask me to do any more than that is just too hard. And that's why they'll turn away from you know the true Christianity you're talking about. What's wrong with that argument? Well, it, it sounds nice. But it's not biblical. So again, we have to go back to what the Bible defines as Christianity and what the Church has preserved over the ages as the definition of that faith. So let's go back to the creeds. The creeds are very clear that we believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God, one God and three persons. The, The creeds are very clear about that. The creeds are also clear that it's by faith that we're saved through Christ. It's by faith that we're saved through grace. It is not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. So, and it's also clear in the Bible, now that wasn't a creedal statement, that was a biblical statement, but they overlap and they support one another. The Bible is also clear that it says this, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and no one, and that can't be saved unless you repent. The scriptures call for repentance and confession. In other words, you can say that all God expects of me is to be a nice person, but God also demands confession and repentance 
And without that confession and repentance, you can't claim to be embracing Christianity. You're defining your own faith. Fine, admit it. Admit that you're making up a new faith, a new religion, but don't claim that it's Christianity because you have no right to change the definition. You have no right to move the target. Again, the Bible is clear. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall be saved, okay? Shall have everlasting life. Those are biblical statements. That are, those aren't Everett Piper statements. Those aren't Bob Fromm's statements. That's what the Bible says. The Bible is the rock-bottom definition of Christianity. Not you, not me. Let me uh, let me go to another portion uh, of your article uh, and ask for a little clarification on this. You quote Frank Turek, who you call a Christian apologist, who says that some people call themselves progressive Christians when they're neither progressive nor Christian because they disagree with Jesus on several significant issues. They d- disagree with Jesus on sex, disagree with Jesus on the Bible, disagree with Jesus on heaven and hell, disagree with Jesus on his atonement. Why would they call themselves a Christian? Taking the word progressive out of that, what if a Christian does agree with Jesus on sex and agrees with Jesus on the Bible and all of the other things that you said, but doesn't necessarily live according to the biblical code you're talking about? But they do agree. They think he's right, and they do try to live their lives in a positive way as we talk about one that makes them feel good about themselves, this MTD variety. But they agree with Jesus on all of the above, and they say, I really am a good person. I really do believe in Jesus and God. Why can I not call myself a Christian? All right, let's go to the words of Jesus himself in Matthew 7. And by the way, I want the listeners to know, you and I did not prep one another for this. This is a spontaneous, this is a very authentic conversation, give and take. So let's go to the words of Jesus. How does he answer that question? In Matthew 7, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, he says, Many will come to me on that day and say to me, I did this and that in your name. I cast out demons in your name. I preached in your name. I did all of these things in your name. And what does Jesus say to them? Get away from me. I never knew you. Now, that's a very sobering challenge. Jesus himself somehow is telling us that just going out and doing good stuff, even casting out demons in his name, is not going to get us into the kingdom. It's not good enough. So what is good enough? You're not good enough. None of us are good enough. Only Christ and his atonement gives us a position to be able to stand before the throne in the final judgment and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And only confession brings us, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's biblical, that's orthodox, that's Christian dogma, that's the rock bottom definition of Christianity, and anything else is nothing but moralistic, therapeutic deism. Okay, you've uh, you've forced me to ask this last question about this, because again, and this is, I don't want to call it devil's advocacy, because I don't advocate for the devil, but just to throw this out there, um, how do you respond to Christians who say, maybe I don't do it all correct, correctly, excuse me, maybe I don't do it exactly as the Bible says. But if I messed anything up, I will do confession on my deathbed. Those deathbed confessions. Sorry about any of the bad I did. Please forgive me, God. 
because you're talking about essentially confession as being the the linchpin here of true Christianity, confessing that you are not as you know uh, following as Jesus as you should, etc. What if uh, what about the deathbed confession? Can we just kind of have one one confession serves and thus saves all? Well, that's an interesting question because we know that the thief on the cross, the one that actually did confess. Uh, deathbed confession, if you will. Right. Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. So I think the thing that we need to consider here is sincerity. Was that thief sincere? Was he truly repentant? And the answer seems to be clearly yes, because he actually challenged the other thief and said, shut up. You know, who are you? This is the Son of God. This is the Piper paraphrase. We need to be confessing and repenting right now, not ridiculing this man this God-man who's hanging, hanging on the cross with us. So Jesus actually accepted that man's deathbed confession. But we also know that we're told that if you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Another biblical passage. What does Lord mean? It means honoring Christ throughout the course of your life and accepting the fact that he's the leader of your life, not you. Now, does that mean you're perfect? No. The question is one of direction rather than perfection. I would challenge any of us who thinks that we're sinless with this statement. The very fact that you claim to be sinless proves that you're not because you're arrogant. So the question isn't perfection. The question is direction, and is your life directional in terms of trying to be obedient to the directions of Christ and confessing along the way when you fail? Waiting until the end for a deathbed confession when you dishonored the Lordship of Christ intentionally throughout your life puts you in a precarious situation. I wouldn't want to stake my claim for heaven on that type of life. Very well answered, very well argued. That's why, and I'm, I'm glad you, you kind of clarified that for the audience too, by the way. We don't rehearse this stuff. You know, doc, for those who don't know, and you, you should by now, Dr. Piper is a biblical scholar. He can quote chapter and verse. Uh, I can't. I'm a regular guy just trying to figure all this stuff out. But I read Dr. Piper's works and, uh, and, uh, it does prompt some, some very good conversation that I really hope is meaningful and impactful to everybody listening. So, uh, thank you for that, Dr. Piper. We'll take a time out here. We've got a couple of other things to get into. Woke supermarkets and school districts hell-bent on practicing racism by way of anti-racism. We'll, fi- we'll hit those two topics on the other side, AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1024, I've got time for a couple of more topics with our guest, Dr. Everett Piper. We're going to spend three minutes on each of these. Dr. Piper, I sent you this this morning, a story in the American Conservative. Somebody, whistleblowers, whatever you want to call them, inside the Kroger Corporation, the Kroger supermarket, has detailed Kroger going full-on woke, particularly over uh, sex, sexuality, and race. Uh, they are all all about uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion. It looks like worse than Coca-Cola. It looks like worse than Nike, worse than many of the other corporations and brand names that we have all seen and that many of us have pledged not to spend our money on again. Uh, this, is, this is astounding. Their LGBTQ plus allyship guide is essentially taking freedom of speech away and forcing compelled 
speech uh, upon all of its employees, uh, all in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is a monster that they have out there. Your thoughts, sir? You know, I, I have these stories they all are just sounding the same over and over again. They talk about equity and inclusion, tolerance, and affirmation when they don't include you as an equal. They don't write you. They exclude you rather than include you. If you dare to have a different opinion, a different view, they silence people in the name of free speech. It's a lie. <laughs> All of this LGBTQIABLMSJW alphabet soup of nonsense is a lie. They are sawing off the branch upon which they sit. They're like a dog chasing its tail. It's funny if it isn't so sad. If it weren't so sad, it would be hilarious to watch this circus, this joke, this worldview implode upon itself. The way to address these people, quite frankly, is just to do what Jesus did and ask them a rhetorical question. When Jesus was confronted by the nonsense of his day, and I've talked about this before on your show. What did the smartest man that ever walked the face of the earth say? The Son of God himself, the second person of the triune God, who could have won any argument. He knew the answer. He could have crushed any of us in a debate. What did he do? He asked a simple question that forced his opponents to drop their stones and walk away. Why do you call me Lord? You want to throw the first stone. Jesus asks these questions that expose the lie of the Pharisees and all others, and it silences them because it exposes the duplicity and the hypocrisy, the self-contradiction of their claims. And that's what we need to do in, ter- in the face of this woke religion, because it is nothing but a lie. Yeah, that's very well said. I just, uh, I, you know, what I find troubling about this, uh, Dr. Piper, is not you know, what shoppers are going to do and they're going to boycott this, that, or the other. Cause you're right. Some of these things, these things start to run together and they're all very similar. I, I don't like what it does to existing employees when companies like this go woke. If you are a believer in freedom of speech and a freedom from, uh, coerced or compelled speech, freedom of religion, freedom to think for yourself and not have to see and do and say things that they want you to in the name of their wokeness, you, you might as well lose your job or you might as well quit your job because you're, they're going to fire you from your job or they're going to reprimand you enough times to the point where you, you lose your job anyway. That's what I really feel, really feel bad about here. It's not just about, you know, people, people have a choice to shop where you want to shop. I don't believe in what Starbucks stands for, so I don't shop at Starbucks. I drink coffee elsewhere. I can shop at a lot of other grocery stores, too. But it's the employees, the people who have made their careers at a certain place who then suddenly find themselves in a place they don't even recognize being forced to uh, pick up their lives and move on. I agree with you. And this is going to what I'm going to say right now is a challenge. Some may consider it heartless, but, you know, it's time for leaders. It's time for people to step up and say, I'm not going to put up with this nonsense. I'm going to challenge it. I'm going to say no. I'm going to be prepared to be articulate and calm in expressing my reasons for saying no, and I'm going to sue you if you don't allow me to practice my constitutional rights. It's time for people to do that and take the lead. And I can tell you this, because in the academy, in the belly of the beast, in the ivory tower, I had to deal with this stuff every day, every minute, every second. And when I stepped forward and said, no, this is nonsense, we're not going to participate in this charade, 
people flocked to my front door saying thank you. Our company, i.e. my college, exploded in enrollment and in donor dollars and in reputation because our culture is begging for leaders. So I challenge people, lead in the face of these controversies. Don't be silent. In fact, Bonhoeffer said, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. Silence in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Don't be silent. Speak up. Lead. Outstanding uh, way to wrap this up. We'll have to talk about the Kentucky School District uh, racial uh, curricula next time around. I will uh, make sure to get this in before we're done, though. Dr. Everett Piper's latest book is Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. You need to pick that up. Get on Amazon.com or wherever it is that you find your books. But pick up Grow Up. Life isn't safe, but it's good. If you enjoy Dr. Piper's commentary here and in his Washington Times columns, you will absolutely love his books. Dr. Piper, thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you next week blessings take care Ten thirty news time now we'll come back and talk about politics literal politics talking about fighting uh in an election a primary race is coming up we're going to talk to a person you've never heard of before but you should if you're in district 11 in particular dr seth Corey wants to be a member of congress in that district doesn't fit the bill perhaps we'll talk to him about how he's going to fight that coming up on am 1420 the answer Two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed. Now 1035. Appreciate you being with us. Thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, If you missed that interview, uh, you made a mistake. You really, you really did. You screwed up. Uh, Fix that by uh, going to the webpage whkradio.com after the show about how long after the show jonathan marcy would you say about, about half an hour or 15 minutes when when 10 minutes after the show ends you'll uh, have the new hour of the show podcasted at whkradio.com that means hour number one is already up there i believe so if you miss an interview uh you can always catch it at whkradio.com dr piper was exceptional today as he is every week but sometimes even more so than others so check that out if you own a television you are aware that Chantel Brown and Nina Turner hate one another. You can't go five minutes without an ad from one or the other attacking one or the other. If you didn't know any better, you would think that they were the only two candidates for Ohio District 11 in the special election to replace Marsha Fudge, who, not surprisingly, was given a spot in uh, Joe Biden's administration. Uh, so you watch these commercials... And it's it's one slam on the other after another. Um, and the two of them competing to see who can be the most woke, who can be the most leftist, quite frankly. And that's exactly what it is. It's just a battle of, you know, uh, when I get in there, am I going to officially call myself a socialist the way uh, AOC and some of the other squad members do, the way Bernie Sanders does, or am I just going to let that be unspoken? Either way, uh, these are radical. These are radical extremists. Now, again, you'd think they were the only ones in the race. Actually, there are 13 individuals who have filed for this special election to run in this primary, which is going to be in, in, uh, in uh, August 
and then the uh, special election is going to be in November. But they're not. Uh, there's, I mean, there's not just the two of them. There's 13. And one of them is a gentleman who is also a Democrat. But before you run for cover and flip the radio off, uh, this is not a radical, apparently. This is not somebody who is fighting to be in the squad. Uh, this is somebody who's a moderate who sees an opportunity uh, to bring a little bit of bipartisanship, maybe a little bit of uh, a little bit of coordination and unity among the parties in the House of Representatives. His name is Dr. Seth Corey, and he joins us now on AM 1420, The Answer. Doctor, good to have good you morning. on the program. How are you this morning? Well, good morning, Mr. Francis. I'm fine. Thank you for this opportunity to speak to uh, the Cleveland Akron audience. Well, it's it's good to have you. I, uh, I I checked your website out a little bit uh, just to kind of get to know a little bit more about you because I'll be 100% honest here. This is not meant to be an insult. Nobody knows who you are. Your name recognition here, I would dare say, is probably close to zero, particularly in District 11, which is a very unique district in terms of its demographic makeup. So I want you to introduce yourself to people. Tell you Tell people a little bit about your background, and then we'll talk about your politics. Oh, okay. Well, I'm a pediatric uh, blood doctor. I see patients. I see patients yesterday. I see patients today. Um, Children with blood and cancer disorders. That's my specialty. I also run a research lab trying to understand why some children get leukemia and to try to apply that to why older Americans uh, get leukemia. Uh, So I'm uh, a physician scientist here in the Cleveland area. And uh, that, that certainly, you know, speaks to your uh, mental capacity and aptitude. Uh, that's fantastic. That's wonderful research that, that you're doing. Um, so certainly your qualifications are, are exceptional in that regard. But now let's talk about policies. You describe yourself, Dr. Corey, as a moderate Democrat. And I don't know too many of those, to be 100% honest with you. And in fact, I'll admit, as a Republican, a conservative Republican, I'm not moderate conservative. I'm hardcore conservative. I think in this politically uh, you know, divisive age, it's very hard to be moderate anything. But you describe yourself as a moderate Democrat. What is, in 2021, a moderate Democrat? A moderate Democrat is someone who cares about where the country is, where it's heading, who cares about uh, family values, who cares about freedoms, who cares about the, the dangers that are posed by the cancel culture and wokeism, and wants uh, dignity and opportunity for everyone and tolerance uh, for everyone. Uh, we need to make our country great um, and keep it great. And as a father and his grandfather, I care about where our country is going. And so I believe that those are principles that is moderate. And I think we should get beyond party name calling and just think about how to heal this country and bring people together to work for the common good. You know, I, uh, as I listened to that answer, Dr. Corey, I couldn't help but think to myself, this is a, this is not a moderate Democrat. This is a Republican, a Trump Republican. Uh, when you talk about family values, when you talk, you actually said the words, I believe we need to make America great and keep America great, which were the two slogans for the two Trump campaigns. So, uh, I, I, you're crossing over very well if you're a Democrat, but you believe in those things, then that's fantastic. One quick one. Because you are a pediatric physician and a pediatric researcher, um, I have to ask you, where are you on the pro-life versus pro-choice issue? The Democrat Party is hardcore as a party. That doesn't mean it speaks to every man or woman, but, you know, hardcore pro-abortion and pro-choice. As a pediatric physician, where do you sit there? Well, to be honest with you, um, 
I'm a scientist, and we we work with zebrafish, and it's really a mystery of life to see a fertilized egg develop over four days into a tadpole and into a fish, and you cannot help but marveling at um, the sanctity of life. On the other hand, I, you know, I have to be you know honest with you all and say that you know there are competing interests between the rights of the woman and the rights of uh, the uh, unborn. And I think that there has to be some sort of compromise where um, we respect um, the sanctity of life and do everything to promote the sanctity of life and at the same time um, permit um, a woman early on uh, to have that choice. So that may not sit 100% with the audience, but we need to bring this country together we need to have greater sanctity for life. We need to stop the name-calling and the divisiveness. We need to support pregnant unwed mothers or pregnant mothers who, who want to give up their child for adoption. We need to support those services. So I'd like to think that I, I, I view life as a sanctity, as a holiness, as a mystery. I see this every day when I work in the lab. Um, and I like to sort of promote sort of that view. Um, we're talking with Dr. Seth Corey, who is a, a declared candidate for the uh, special election uh, in the Democrat primary in District 11. I, I don't want to belabor the point, but I'll just uh, if one quick follow up on it. You know, you mentioned watching the fertilization of an egg in a in a in a, in a lab and watching the uh, uh, you know the development of the tadpole. At what point did life begin in in that in that developmental stage that you watch and and then of course i assume the reason you brought it up is to compare that to human development at what point does life begin if you say that um the woman should have the right to end her pregnancy early on what is what does that mean to you well i think that life every living cell is alive Um, we take tissue um every day uh whether it's a cancer or whether it's a non-cancer and that's living tissue that's a philosophical religious question that I would defer to the um, priest, the rabbi. I, uh, the you know, you're, you're, you're a scientist, though. You know, a priest isn't in a lab uh, watching that, and a priest isn't going to, you know, be able to determine what a fertilized egg is. That's a science question. You're a scientist, so when when sperm meets egg, and you know the zygote is is created. You know, the fertilized egg, I mean, at what point do you consider that to be a new life, separate and apart from that of the mother? No, there's fertilized eggs are living. Not all of them result in a uh, baby. Uh, There's a high percentage of miscarriages. And so um, there's life. Um, There's the potential for life. I respect people who are pro-life. And um, I respect people that also would like to have limited uh, choice opportunities for for women. Uh, I'd like to sort of be a moderate again. Um, And I I, I appreciate that there are people um, who have very deeply held moral views that believe that all life is holy and should not be terminated. I respect those views. I don't belittle them. 
I uh, I appreciate the response. I just want to kind of find out where you are. Like I said, for any voters who may be listening who are in the uh, 11th district who are going to decide this right. election, you know, you you uh, you point out that um, the winner of this primary is going to win the election. Uh, there's right. very little. You know, there's been very little support for Republican candidates in the past. In that, despite having some very good ones uh, in the uh, in in the district, so how do you separate yourself from this pack? I think I said there were 13. Maybe there's 14 of you. I may have miscounted. But how do you separate yourself from this pack? And in particular, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on the two high-profile television the television battle between the two high-profile candidates here? Well, I'm not going to engage in bickering. That's part of the problem. Why uh, politics is what it is. Uh, riddled with cronyism, corruption. Uh, politicians really work to enrich themselves at the expense of people like us. And, and the government is not working. Uh, the reason why I ran uh, was because, I, as I said, I was concerned about where this country is, where it's going, uh, the mess with COVID, the issues about cancel culture. What type of society will my children, your children, grandchildren uh, believe in, uh, live in? The fact is that this is an 80% Democrat district, and uh, for too long, uh, people that were moderate Democrats, people who were unaffiliated, people who held uh, views uh, of the Republican Party, did not have a voice in Washington. I want to be a representative to everyone in the district, and that includes Republican voters, unaffiliated voters, and moderate uh, Democrats who have long been silenced. There are two candidates that have gotten the media attention. Uh, they have raised millions of dollars from out of the district. Um, they're spending it attacking each other and playing politics. One's a socialist and the other one is the, a light socialist. I provide a viable um, option for those in the district who felt that their voices haven't been heard, who've been disenfranchised over the, over the years. And so um, I do think it's possible for an underdog like David to take on the Goliaths and, and to win. And uh, I believe that people out there, um, I do have some name recognition. We've canvassed over 3,000 homes. We've uh, sent out emails to uh, thousands of homes. Um, I'm getting known. I, obviously, I don't have the, the, the money uh, to buy the media time, nor do I have the media sort of uh, theme but this is just a race between two people. Um, but people are recognizing uh, who I am, and I'm listening to people. And I hear that there's a lot of individuals out there who felt their voices haven't been heard, who felt that uh, Washington is out of touch uh, with the people, mm-hmm. who feel that politicians are in it to promote themselves up the ladder. And I'm a pediatrician. I'm not a career politician. I just want to serve the people, try to get this country back on the right rails, um, to heal this country, to heal the divisiveness, um, and get the country moving again. What would you say, Dr. Corey, and by the way, congratulations on your your grassroots success, Uh, and I certainly didn't mean to be insulting when I said you have zero name recognition. I mean that from a media standpoint, because your name isn't on TV, your name isn't on radio. Um, You know, the the fact that you're getting out and seeing the people face-to-face, good good for you, that's that's great. Uh, But like I said, to the people who are just kind of watching these things uh, from afar, you know, it's hard to to keep track of 14 different people, and many of whom are, are not are not uh, very well advertised. Uh, so la- last question. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. You finish your thought on that. No, I mean, I think people talk a lot about voter suppression. I don't believe there's voter suppression. 
But what there is is candidate suppression. It's impossible or near impossible for anyone, whether it's a uh, journalist on a talk show, whether it's a teacher, a retiree, a mailman, a plumber, electrician, a construction worker, even a physician, as, as sort of privileged as I am. It's impossible for us to run for office. Um, it, it's a Herculean task. I think and that's very, we I need think that's to very get, true. We need to get sort of government officials, politicians out and have true elected officials to be representatives of the people. Um, and, and so that's, I think, one of the great issues that's really costing this country um, its future. I think that's very well said. I, I could not agree with you more. It's too hard to run for office. Good people are uh, just kind of, you know, dissuaded from running for office because if you don't have the kind of political machine and the financial machine behind you, you have no shot, uh, and candidates are suppressed in such ways. I think there's a lot of good people who would consider running if the politics, uh, the political machines weren't the way that they are, the machinations. Uh, last question for you, Dr. Corey, though, and I want to... You touched on it, used the word divided a couple of times. We're very divided. And you mentioned, um, uh, you know, the suppression of the vote, which is a big issue. I want to ask you for your big picture philosophy on Democrat politics, the Democratic National Committee platform, the, the Biden administration platform. Uh, it's been very divisive along the lines of race, along the lines of sexual identity, uh, along the lines of, as you just said, voting. So they're, they're accusing the Republicans of trying to suppress the vote because they want photo voter ID and to make sure that uh, the rolls are cleaned up and so on and so forth. How do you align with that overall Democrat platform that I just described? You know, when they're common sense and when they represent the values of families, when they represent the values of sort of Judeo-Christian uh, morality, uh, when they represent the values of um, civic, not critical race theory, for instance, when they represent the values of uh, the United States as a, as a city on the hill and to choose our allies carefully. We need to maintain a very strong supportive relationship with Israel. And I'm very disappointed in my party in condoning the anti-Semitism sometimes even the Christian, uh, anti-Christian uh, views of some of its leaders. Um, I will call them out by name. I will call out Ilhan Omar. I won't be a rubber stamp to anybody. I will try to be the best representative for all the peoples of the District, um, of, uh, district 11. The uh, primary is coming up on Tuesday. It's August 3rd. I can't believe it's upon us already. Uh, that Democratic primary, again, there's about 13, 14 people on it. Dr. Seth Corey is one of them. Uh, you might not have known prior to today, but now you do. And if you know anybody in District 11 and you feel like uh, uh, Dr. Corey is worth pushing to them, then by all means do so. Uh, Dr. Corey, you have a you choice. You thank do you have very a much. You have a yeah. choice. You'll have a voice in Washington, someone who's not a career politician, but someone truly cares about you and your family and your values with respect. Well, I respect, I can certainly respect that. No question about it. Thank you, Dr. Thank you Corey. so much. Good luck to you. Bye. Right. There you go. That's Dr. Seth Corey again. That's a long list, by the way. You only know about Nina Turner and Chantel Brown. They're the ones who are buying all the TV time, but there's a bunch of other names on it, and one is Dr. Corey, and he's got a... I think he's got an interesting message there. I uh, I would say a phenomenal message there. I just I depart from him on the issue of when life begins, particularly as a pediatric physician. But other than that, I, I really uh, 
appreciated and respected a lot of what I just heard. If you want to react to it, we can do so after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 10.56. Got time for a call or two before the top of the hour. Don't forget Mike Gallagher. Don't forget Charlie Kirk. Don't forget Dennis Prager. Don't forget Dr. G. Stay here all day. If you're looking for the best in conservative talk and conservative thought, uh, you have found the right place, free of buffoonery that you get in other places. Cheryl is in Avon. Hi, Cheryl. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Hey, Buff. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for your patience. Appreciate that. Love listening to you. Loved meeting you in Strongsville at the big Candace Owens event. Awesome. Uh, I would like to hear more commentators speak about the list on the CDC for people that should not get vaccines, and I am one of them. And uh, explain I, that. Explain that. What do you mean people who should not? You mean people who are it's unhealthy it's, to receive? Yeah, it's it's not recommended that in my circumstance I get the vaccine, and I hear very little of this. All I hear is pressure to get the vaccine. I'm 72. I did get the shingles as a result of the shingles vaccine. I also highly react to flu shots, mosquito bites. I've called my Cleveland Clinic physician, Mm -hmm. and they say I'm on a list where I should not get the vaccine at this time. I conferred with another physician, and I also conferred with a pharmacist who never hesitated, just took my question said, no, you should not at this time get the vaccine. And I don't hear enough of that. I think more people should definitely contact their health care providers and review their own circumstances. Are you uh, employed, Cheryl? Yes, I work full-time. I drove 33,000 miles for work last year. I met um, uh, probably 4,000 people face-to-face. I only ask because I wonder if your employer is giving you any pressure to get a vaccine and if they take into consideration your condition that you just described. Uh, they're aware, and I'm self-employed. I'm a notary. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And every, everybody I work with is aware. I wear the mask. I take the precautions. I take the vitamins. I, I do what I'm supposed to do. So you're 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 fortunate, as you say, that you are technically self-employed. So you contract with people, right? Uh, you know, Correct. As a notary, Correct. got it. So, um, I, you know, because there are a lot of people who are probably just like you, who are very sensitive to and have terrible reactions to various vaccines, who are working for other employers, not self-employed, but actually who are kind of uh, answering to them that might not have Correct. the freedom that you do to not take that vaccine. And why aren't people talking about that? That's a very great and, point that you raise. And why aren't these people that are being forced to get in line going to their family physician first and reviewing their specific health conditions? Right. That's another great question. Cheryl, I got a jet. We're out of time here. Thank you for the call. I wish you the very best of luck and the best of health. We'll see everyone tomorrow.